0: Today we're going to examine the seven churches as mentioned in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. But there's two things we need to look at while examining these churches. Number one, we need to look at the good qualities. And number two, the sins and the weaknesses that the Son of Man rebukes uh, in regards to these seven churches of Asia Minor. What can we learn from this? Well, we can learn how to have a good... God-pleasing church, a good church, that is healthy and strong, as we see from the good attributes mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 of the seven churches. But we can also examine to see if our specific congregations that we're a part of um, reflects the, dare I say, negative qualities of the seven churches. And one thing to notice about the seven negative, or the qualities of the seven churches in the negative aspect are it's typically one of two things to generally categorize it. It's either idolatry, which is, again, idol worship, not to be confused with adultery, which is cheating on your spouse and so on and lusting. And the second thing, which is kind of similar, would be immorality, which those two, if you know anything about Roman culture, they go hand-in-hand when idol worshiping. A lot of times when you worship, let's say, Zeus or Apollo or whatever else out there, there's... Typically, immorality involved, and as you can tell, my son is in the background playing, so I apologize for the coups and the cause, but we're going to try to work through it. Here we go. So the first church that we see in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation is the Church of Ephesus, as mentioned in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now, what good qualities do we know about the Church of Ephesus? Well, the Son of Man praises them for their good works, their patience, their patience, their sound doctrine, the church discipline which they exercised, their steadfastness, and the hatred of evil, that is, obviously, the sins that we see around us. Those are really, that's a really powerful, good church, right? They had all the right actions. They were doing everything right. However, bring in the rebuked sin and or weakness, and that is, they quote, loss the sight of their first love. They lost sight of love. In other words, what could this be? To me, it shows that they were doing everything right. They were going through the motions, but perhaps their heart wasn't there. They went to church. They broke the bread. They sang the songs. They gave contribution and whatever, right? But were they doing it because they were there to truly praise God and worship God for saving them? Or... Was it just something that they were doing? I think a lot of times we do this in our own lives where we run through the motions of our faith, but we kind of lose sight of the power and the intimacy in our relationship with God. I think this can happen in our marriages too. You get up in the morning, you run through the motions of your marriage, but are you truly in love with your spouse? And if you aren't, then it's time to repent of that and work on that. Don't leave them. That's the worst thing you can do. You got to work on it. Likewise, uh, the church of Ephesus needed to refocus their sights on the love that they had at first, and that is the gospel, that is Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation. Another thing too this could also be is, uh, I heard somebody recently mention this in a study of Revelation, and it really stood out to me, and it's the fact that perhaps this church wasn't sharing the gospel, because we claim to love the Lord, but as you can see by Ephesus, if they've lost their love, they were doing all the right works, but Notice one of the things they weren't praised for, and that was sharing the gospel. It's like maybe they were hoarding it to themselves, this good news and revelation of the gospel. They weren't willing to share it with a neighbor or a friend, and maybe that is what the Lord means by their love wasn't there. Yes, they were doing all the right things to themselves, but the love wasn't there. So moving forward to the church of Sh- uh, Smyrna, excuse me, the church of Smyrna, as mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8-11. What great qualities did they have? They had spiritual endurance and heavenly treasures. As you see in that uh, the letter to that church, they were about to go through some persecution, and they were going to be tested, and they needed to stay faithful unto death to receive the crown of life. Now, what rebuke did they have? They had none. They had no reproof. And I think that's really amazing, because... Well, one thing that really stands out to me is this is one of the churches, if not the only one mentioned in this letter, that was going through persecution. And you would expect them to have the one with the uh, most rebuke and weakness, because during persecution you would assume underneath threat and tyranny of the crown of uh, Rome, you would think the church would fall apart. But actually this was really the strongest one as we see in these letters. And so it's perhaps worth noting that persecution might not necessarily be just a bad thing after all. It can actually make a church strong and be able to spiritually endure. Now, it's easy to say coming from me, an American who isn't persecuted for my faith. But for somebody listening today that is persecuted, it'd be interesting to know your thoughts and opinions on that. Forgive me for speaking out of turn and or ignorance. The third church is Pergamos, forgive me for pronunciation. Um, In Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, what good qualities do we have in this church? Well, there was steadfastness amidst evil environment. As we see in the rebukes and the sin, there was tolerance of corrupt doctrines and heretics. You see, they needed to be steadfast in the evil environment around them, but yet they tolerated corrupt doctrines. Now, today you might think, oh, I would never tolerate corrupt doctrines, but my question to you is, well, do you? One thing I usually do, or at least used to, is in the morning I'd get up and I'd, uh, well, I hope I continue to do that, but I would... Uh turn on the podcast app on my phone, and I would listen to sermons. but a lot of times I would listen to sermons that weren't really Church of Christ; they were denominational sermons, and yes, they had some great truthful things in those lessons. But at the end of the day, we didn't agree on the path of salvation we didn't agree on where works fit and all of this, and so on and so forth and so, in my life, I was tolerating corrupt doctrine, yes, they had some truth in them, but overall they were turning people away and leading people astray with lies that weren't uh, consistent with scripture. And so it's important that as Christians, yes, a denominational preacher might have some truth in it, but we cannot tolerate false doctrine. Even if they might not mention their false doctrine all the time, we, we can't flirt with this stuff. We shouldn't be mean and nasty to people, but we need to be careful of what we listen to and what we study because it can lead people astray a little bit at a time. And I've seen that happen firsthand with people that I know and love where they start flirting with false doctrines here and there a little bit and they slowly start chipping away until pretty soon they're completely drowning in the false teachings of denominations and cults and so on down the line. So you need to stick to the unperverted word of God. Simple as that. The next church we need to look at is the church of Thyatira, as mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. What good qualities did they have? Charity, spiritual service, faith, and patience. Again, it very they were nailing the works, right? They were charitable, and they were strong in the spirit, caring for others. They were faithful, right? But yet, what about the negative qualities? They lacked discipline and tolerated a corrupt prophetess. This would be the story of Jezebel. There's debate over if Jezebel was a actual person or if it was... Just a reference to the immorality in the church. Because we know Jezebel, as mentioned in the letter of, or excuse me, the book of 1 Kings with Elijah, and Jezebel was tolerating and worshiping Baal, which involved adultery and sexual immorality and so here we have the same reference this church was doing the same thing where she was bringing in sexual immorality to the church because during uh, the time of rome it was common that sex and worship not of the church of course we're talking idol worship uh they went hand in hand you would sacrifice an animal to an idol, then you would go and do just disgusting sexual immorality in order to worship this idol, and that had perverted the church. And they tolerated that. Now, you might think today, we don't tolerate that in our church. There's no such thing. But my question to you and I to reflect on is, don't we, though? I mean, think of the sexual immorality that gets into the church now. I'm not saying we need to you know hate those people and that they're unsavable. No, they're absolutely savable. I've been somebody that's gone down the road of sexual immorality and I've been saved and forgiven and i have repented of that. And so don't we tolerate that in our church today when somebody that we know is in the congregation that's living in a sexual sin? Do we tolerate it or do we enact church discipline in a loving yet firm, uh, firm way? is something to reflect on, okay? That's all I will say, because church discipline is a subject for a different day, though obviously an important subject. The next church, the Church of Sardis, as mentioned in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 6. Now, the good qualities. None of the majority of the members, a few, commended for purity. This is something to really know that You may be in a church, you may sit down in the congregation, but not everybody necessarily in that building is a part of the church or is saved because, well, if you're not living the Christian life, it doesn't matter if you're sitting there or not. What matters is if you're walking the walk and talking the talk. You go to church, you're living the Christian life. As we see in the Old Testament, there was a remnant of Israel that was always saved, and likewise, there will be a remnant of the church. I'm not saying that only the best of the best will make it. That's not what I'm getting at at all. Only those that are genuinely faithful will make it and finish the race and have eternal life. And so the question is, are you being faithful? Are you part of the few that are remaining pure? And if your congregation is like that, then you need to help everybody to repent and get back on track that the whole congregation may be pure. Now, what negative quality is, well, if there's quite a few on its own, but extreme formalism, spiritual death, and imminent inactivity. If, if you see only a few of the people in the congregation appear, not the whole majority, well, then what's the, qu- the negative quality? Obviously, uh, they aren't really practicing their faith. They're spiritually dead inside and need to repent of that and they're inactive. You see, one thing I noticed about extreme formalism is, like we see in the church of Ephesus, they might be doing everything right, but if their congregation is spiritually dead or their heart's not involved in it, you know, they're walking through the motions, but they aren't doing it with the right intent and heart, then it can be a negative quality, right? Actions need to be there, but the heart needs to be there too, or else Again, you're just going through the motions of intimacy. Imagine, ladies, if you went on a date with a man or your husband and the whole time at dinner he's staring at his phone, not paying attention. Yeah, he's there at dinner and he's dressed nice and he smells good and he's paying and he took you out on a nice date. But if his heart's not into it, is that date really going to be wholeheartedly satisfying? No, you know, he needs to be there. He needs to pay attention to you. Needs to romance you, right? And well, likewise, that's how our relationship with the Lord is. We need to be physically present. Excuse me, my mic fell. I apologize. <laughs> we need to be physically present, but we also need to be spiritually present. If anything else, spiritually present is more important. Now the next church, the church of Philadelphia is mentioned in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 through 13. Good qualities, keeping of the word. They kept the word of God, the unpurified word, as we might say, right? We do not want to fall down the line of corrupt teaching, now negative things. There was none recorded. I think this is very important for us, that if you simply keep the word of God unperverted, you naturally aren't going to have negative qualities in turning away. When you start enticing false doctrines or other immoralities, Naturally, there's going to be negative qualities. But see, if you stick to the unperverted word, as we see in Philadelphia, you're uh, likely going to stay faithful and not have those negative sinful works. My apologies, I'm trying to talk over my son. And now the next and final church is the Church of Laodicea. Now... This church, it's very important to note, as Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 22 mentions, good qualities, none recorded. That's pretty bad, right? None recorded. And negative qualities? Well, if there's no positive qualities, what are the negative qualities? Well, they were lukewarm. Jesus was going to spit them out of his mouth. Spiritually conceit, no conscience needed, spiritual poverty, spiritual blindness, spiritual uh, wretchedness. You see, they just simply had fallen away. Yeah, maybe they were part of the church, you would say, or they would show up on Sunday, but they just, they weren't really here or there in the faith. They weren't either completely back in sin, and they weren't all the way surrendered to the Lord. They were right in the middle, and one thing I know about being right in the middle is it's quite miserable. You want to continue to do your sin, but you also don't want to go to hell, so you're Wanting to obey the Lord, but then you can't do the things you really want to do, and you're just going to be miserable. You need to be all in with the Lord or all out. There is no middle ground, as we see in this church. Now, one thing to mention and reflect on is, what do you think the church as a whole is today? Now, it's easy as a citizen of the United States to say, oh, the church is weakening, or it's not growing anymore, but that's just our nation in general because of the craziness that's going on with people turning away and how our nation is but the whole world doesn't look like the united states or the church of the united states the church in the whole world is growing strong stronger than ever souls are being added to the church daily more and more people are being saved and so you might be discouraged by your well your local congregation losing numbers or maybe the church as a whole in in the united states might seem like it's shrinking but don't uh, get that confused with the rest of the world my encouragement to you, but what is your congregation like? Now, I'm not saying you need to go in and start bashing your congregation or, you know, causing a bunch of ruckus, but maybe there's some things that we could do to grow and repent of as individuals and congregations. Go back to the Unperverted Word of God. Uh, Have the works, have the right heart and mindset behind it and so on. Now, one thing I also want to mention is there are promises to those that will overcome as mentioned in the seven churches. The Lord says, if you repent and do this, then you will receive the crown of life or receive this. Let's look at those real quick because I think it's important to us. The church of Ephesus, they would receive heavenly food in verse 7 of chapter 2. Church of Smyrna, a crown of life as in Revelations 2 verse 10. Pergamos, hidden spiritual blessings, divine food, a new name, chapter 2, verse 17. Spiritual dominion and illumination, chapter 2, verse 26-28. That was Thyatira, excuse me. The church of Sardis, a robe of righteousness, heavenly restoration, and recognition. The Church of Philadelphia to become a spiritual, excuse me, to become spiritual pillars bearing a divine inscription. And last, the Church of Laodicea, divine fellowship spiritual environment. We too can have those wonderful promises if we stay faithful to the Lord. Now I know that you, there are specific promises to those church, but likewise there are specific promises to us, the church as a whole. And so we need to continue to stay Now, this episode is quite a long one, and you've noticed the title of this podcast is quote, The 5-Minute Bible Lesson. And as you can tell, we're 17 minutes in right now. And I also had my son talking in the background. So one thing I want to note as we end is I record these episodes live, so I apologize again for the lack of great quality, such as the mic drop I did and my sweet son playing toys and cooing in the background. There's not much I can do about that right now. When we share the Word of God, we got to do the best with what we've got. And that right now is me recording live while watching my son. That being said, though, why is the episode extra long? Well, (laughs) ironic, right? The episode's extra long because, well, I'm somebody that wants to record the Word of God and share it with as many people as possible. Sometimes the five-minute lessons I feel like aren't really enough right i for one like to dive into longer lessons so i can really unpack and study the word of god and there are quite a few of my listeners that like that too so I will do my best, Lord willing, to continue to have the short lessons, such as the five-minute lessons that uh, many of my audience enjoys as devotions. And I'll also try my best to make longer episodes for the other members of the audience that really like to dive in deep and they have the time to do so to listen to longer lessons and study the Word of God. And so hopefully we can try to, uh, to keep it well balanced, keep it short, sweet, but also have opportunity for people to dive in deep into the scriptures with my trusty sidekick here my son and so I thank you for listening if you haven't yet please leave him a view in the podcast app for both me and my co-host my son and we thank you for listening I really hope this lesson was inspiring and uh, well hopefully it'll help us to stay strong in the trying times that we have god bless you all sorry my son is putting on a new nursery rhyme so thank you everybody for listening